And so I pack my bags, pull a total Abram move and get in my car. I tell my family I'm going to Chicago and um, get there. And then the next day go to Madewell where I worked at the time. And it's like my second day in Chicago, first day working there. This girl walks into Madewell up to me at the kiosk or the whatever, the register. Mm -hmm. And um, she says, hey, I'm going to buy a few of these things, probably not everything. And I say, okay, great. Um, what's your email? It gives me her email. Her name pops up and it's Bethany Searles. And that's the same name that I wrote on the post-it note four months prior in Atlanta. Cause I met her mom at a Madewell in Atlanta. Jeez. And so I freeze, I'm shaking and I'm like, sorry, I also realize I'm talking very fast right now. There is just something different about music and singing to the Lord in worship. And I think that we too often overlook the people who lead us in that way, who write our songs, who sing our songs, who lead us in singing. We overlook them as Christian thinkers. And our guest for today is going to convince you to think otherwise. Welcome back to the All Things All People podcast. My name is Jeremy Jenkins, and I am the host of this show. Whether you've been with us for all 30-something episodes thus far, or this is the first one you're listening to, I'm so glad that you're joining in. And today is an amazing episode because it's encouraging, it's challenging, and I truly believe it's going to lead you into a deeper and sweeter spirit of worship the next time you uh, devote attention to God, you're, you're going to be enriched by the conversation that you hear with our Christian thinker for today. But first, uh, if you haven't reviewed the show, please, please do. Um, people are discovering the show all over the world, um, and I don't say that lightly. It's pretty crazy to see people in Australia, in uh, Scandinavia, in Europe, um, uh, not that Scandinavia is not in Europe, but you know what I mean. So, uh, but it's just amazing to see people all over the world, all over the country from different backgrounds, from different denominations joining in on the show, because the goal of the show, just like the goal of all things, all people is to raise up generations of Christian thinkers to understand and reach the world around them with the transformative message of the gospel. A couple keywords in there, generations. We want to see the generations that are beyond the horizon, the generations that we can't see reached with the works of all things, all people um, and Christian thinkers. We want Christians who think the way Christians should think. And boy, do we need Christian thinkers right now. And so I'm excited for you to be a part of the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, share it on social media, share it with your friends, especially today. If you have a friend involved in music, worship leading, anything like that, make sure that you share this episode with them because my guest for today is Lauren Scott. Lauren is an amazingly talented singer-songwriter. She has uh, been a part of ministries like International House of Prayer. She currently helps lead with some churches up in the Chicago area. She's been a part of writing and singing with Maverick City, uh, which is one of the biggest and best things going on in Christian worship today out of Atlanta. Um, I've recently had Joe Barnes on the episode who wrote and sang Promises. She's a friend of Joe's, and that's actually how she and I uh, got connected. Lauren is um, 
man, I mean, Lauren is just a, a very anointed young lady. And at the very end of the show, you hear some of my just personal thoughts about her. I think really she is somebody that a young generation of, of Christians in general, but specifically young women need to look up to as an example of what it means to carve out your own way, to deal with discouragement. You're going to hear in this episode that Lauren faced a lot of discouragement and trials and getting to where she is today. And I say it repeatedly throughout the episode. I don't think she is where, um, even the Lord wants her to be because I think her influence is only going to grow and her opportunities are only going to grow. So I'm, I'm excited for you to meet her through this interview. And so, yeah, like I said, make sure you review the show, make sure you, uh, like all things, all people, uh, on Instagram, all things, not all people, make sure to go check out Lauren at Lauren Scott music. Um, and all her information's in the show notes. So all that aside, here's the real important thing. I want you to really, really, really listen to this girl's heart today because there's a lot to be said for being a Christian thinker and understanding how it is the Lord's working in your life, how he's leading you to be obedient and what that means for how you think about God and how you think about yourself. And that is also part of being a Christian thinker. So let's get to it today. Our Christian thinker, Miss Lauren Scott. My next guest is a singer-songwriter whose music blurs the lines between pop, country, and R&B all the while, continuing to always be worshipful, expertly alternating between genres with a foundation of extremely strong songwriting and singing skills. Also, I saw today, got a new guitar. After growing up in Atlanta, she moved to Chicago, where she leads worship and frequently travels and pen songs for other artists. You can see her often leading uh, in videos online with Community Worship, a part of Four City Church in Rockford, Illinois, uh, and the amazing videos that they regularly put out, as well as speaking and performing at events such as the Chosen Conference last year, and recently beginning to write and sing with Maverick City Worship and Tribal. And this spring, I'm excited to hear the new music a single that she'll be putting out, which we will certainly make sure to link to when that happens here at All Things All People. It's my honor to have on the show, Miss Lauren Scott. Lauren, you're the best for doing this today. Dude, you're the best for having me. Thanks, Jeremy. So we, we were talking pre-show. Um, you are for sure the first person I've ever had on the show that meets the following qualifications. One, you've listened to the show before. Yes. Um, because you've had friends who have been on the show. Yeah. It's uncanny that I've had Joe Barnes, who's a friend of yours, and then John yep. Onwachequa, who is seems almost like extended family. Uh, I mean, at sense. this point. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, that's amazing. And to have you be that well connected coming in, it almost feels like, man, I mean, uh, Lauren already knows the gig here and all that. So, um, Let's just start off with this because I do all those intros and it makes my guests uncomfortable, but it, I always <laughs> want, I always want listeners to feel like they know somebody before we really start talking. Um, but with you, I really truly feel like the best is in store uh, for you. Like you've, you've mm -hmm. done some incredible stuff. You and I were talking about things that you've done at IHOP. You've started writing and singing and like, I know how much you've written for other artists. I don't think most people do, but kind of let's just start off with this, but like tell the listeners how you got to the point where you are today, where every time I see you post on social media, you're holding a guitar 
and singing about Jesus? Oh man. Um, it has been a journey and I just want to kind of set that up and say, if you are an artist, creative, Mm. (laughs) let me get my coughs out. Um, just any person in any field of life who is ready to give up, then you should listen to this because I'm going to give you every reason not to. Mm. Um, so I grew up in the church. I grew up in United Methodist church. Um, my parents loved the Lord growing up, but it really was through a ministry called Young Life that I met Jesus. And so I was 16, um, honestly knew nothing about a personal relationship with God. I was confirmed. I did all the things. Um, but there was a girl named Tori who volunteered with my high school cross country team and she ran with us and then went from volunteer to one of my closest friends and then took me to a Young Life summer camp. And that summer of 2000 and However, how, whatever summer that was when I was 16, I sat on those carpeted steps and I heard the gospel for the first time. And I saw Jesus's arm stretch wide, blood streaming from his body. And he said, Lauren, I did this for you. I know you, I love you. I see you. And I want to spend eternity with you. And I went home differently. And so before that, um, because of even Stevens, the TV show, (laughs) Ren, the main character was playing this butterfly shaped electric guitar. And I saw it on a commercial and I didn't play guitar before that. I played violin, like dabbled in some stuff that the school mandated for us, but saw that Google butterfly electric guitar, went to my parents and said, that's what I want for Christmas. And they bought it for me and then got a teacher. And my teacher was like, you should start with acoustic. So I switched to acoustic. And then, um, so this is all, I'm like 14, Mm -hmm. I'm young, you know, and then down the road, meet the Lord and come home from that summer camp. And I'm like, I have a song now. And prior to that, you know, would kind of try to write songs about boys I had crushes on. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been, I've wanted to be a writer since I was a little kid, like always known, thought I would write books, thought I'd be a journalist, was on that track. And then um, the Lord just hijacked my life, hijacked my dreams. And it's been so sweet. So how I became the girl with the guitar that uh, is obsessed with God's presence and is leading everywhere and doing everything I can. Um, in high school, you know, I gigged at bars, I gigged at festivals, like anywhere I could sing my songs about Jesus, I was singing them. So it was just a really funny thing to be 16 and singing about John four and Irish bar, mm. you know, and have um, just a lot of sweet moments. I remember at that gig specifically, I was a kid and this woman left an envelope for me with the bartender and um, I opened it and she had like $20 in it and left a note or she with a napkin, she wrote a note on a napkin that basically said like, Hey, you're playing in this place, but I know exactly what you're doing and keep doing it for the Lord. And so just had a lot of really sweet moments like that as a kid, wherever I was, where I just, I knew the Lord was with me in it, even though it wasn't per se worship music and it was Mm -hmm. unconventional and um, whatever. So Fast forward, um, I, in high school, go to an IHOP camp, the Awakening Teen Camp. They used to do for kids. And it was, believe it or not, I sat with um, some people that were mentoring me in high school at IHOP Pancakes, found (laughs) out about IHOP, and told those people that I was going to go to IHOP International House of Prayers camp at IHOP Pancakes. And they were like, you're crazy. You're not ready for that. And I was like, oh, bet. Now I'm definitely going. Right. And so I went as a high schooler, uh, saw gifts of the spirit, the whole, the whole deal for the first yeah. time. Was I like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, listen, 
came back, got rid of all my quote unquote secular music, which <laughs> hot take. I don't really like believe in the whole secular music thing anymore. Yeah. Um, just because I think that we should find the dignity and beauty in everybody's stories that God mm. made, whether they know him or not. And so I have whatever, that's a whole nother conversation, but definitely didn't listen to all my, all my, uh, heavy rotation records for a while mm-hmm. and just really gave myself to prayer and to fasting and to, all those things. And in that just got so much vision for um, making music that people who don't know him and do know him could resonate with and, and all that. So ended up from that camp deciding I'm not going to go to NYU or George Washington or any of the schools I thought I would. And I went to um, IHOP U, mm-hmm. which was relatively new at that point. They'd gotten right. a new building. There was just a lot of energy behind it. It was amazing. So um had a team in the prayer room. And so this is kind of where the saga of, um, of the hardest journey of my life really began. I, the house of prayer was amazing for me. Really mm-hmm. what the Lord said before I went was that he'd called me to the music industry in some capacity, but that I had to be a woman of prayer. And then he wanted me to be close to his presence and centered in that. And so that's why I went. So I went knowing I'm an artist who doesn't really know where she fits, but mm-hmm. is obsessed with the presence of Jesus and, mm-hmm. and, and wants to live a grounded life of prayer. And so this is the place where I, the Lord said to do that. So I went and had led a worship team in the prayer room, led outside of the prayer room, and then also met in that time, some producers who were believers yeah. who gave me the opportunity to work on my own record and just like prayed fasted. I mean, had so much inner turmoil about whether or not I should go through with it or not, but I did. Mm-hmm. And from that experience, um, really was constantly given the opportunity to be anybody, but who I am as an artist. Wow. I remember, um, the first day I walked into the studio, one of the producers looked at me after several conversations about exactly who I was and what I wanted to do. And was like, all right, you got to pick secular or sacred. What kind of record are we making? You're going to be Taylor Swift. You're going to be Jamie Grace. Take your Mm -hmm. pick. And I was like, but I'm neither. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I'm neither. You know, I don't feel the pull to do the CCM thing. I don't feel the pull to do the full pop radio thing. Like I'm neither. And, Mm -hmm. and really thought we would create and fight for a record that really served me and where I felt like God was taking me. And instead it was, um, you know, the first record we wrote was this like sensual love song and I'm 20 and have never kissed a boy. And mm-hmm. the lyrics were like, waltz with me, dip with me, spin with me, baby, give me all you got. And they wanted me to sing in this like whispery tone. And I wept cutting the vocals because I was like, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, would, would leave the room and pray and be so confused and come back and get talked into like, this is who you are. This is the record you're supposed right. to make. And you said you wanted this. So you've got to be this. And I would leave and and I would just muster up everything I could in me to say, yeah, they're right. I'm wrong mm-hmm. and they're right. And I would I would go in the room and be like, man, you guys are right. This is the record I should be making. They'd be like, great, let's get back to work. And the minute we'd get back into it, I just felt all the resistance in my spirit and then would come back and try to say that. And I would get cussed out for what felt like hours and yelled mm-hmm. at and um, literally I remember my producer used to look up to the ceiling and point and say, God strike me dead. If what I'm saying to Lauren Scott, isn't true. Like you don't hear the voice of God, you're missing it. You're confused. And we know mm-hmm. it and you don't, you haven't put in your 10,000, 10,000 yeah, hours. And right. it was just a lot of like, 
emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, the whole, the whole deal. And at that time, I'm still leading at the house of prayer. Like I'm just trying to find something to grab onto because I start to feel like, man, I don't know who I am. I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I'm not Mm -hmm. good enough. I'm never going to be, I don't know what, what the heck, you know? And so that really buried me as an artist. And so the gift of it, I think the Lord's really kind in seasons where, cause my anxiety was through the roof. I was depressed. I was, um, I had this ironically like really great community, even in that really toxic community. Mm-hmm. It was like the underbelly of the space was so toxic and so harmful, but yet I had these friends around me all the time. And so it was like, um, studio a was the room kind of where all mm-hmm. the drama unfolded, which you'll hear. I kind of tell that story in, in the single I'm putting out, but Um, it was like, I walked out of studio A and got a breath of fresh air in some ways, but then I stepped back into that room and it was like, I'm being suffocated again, you know? And so say all that to say, um, that was 2014 and I had just put out an EP where I'd written every song, handpicked a producer, handpicked musicians, arranged all of it, done it all myself. So to go from that and doing a small tour after that with some friends to this space where then all went from February to December, I went from artists who was flying, doing her own thing, had so much to learn and figure out, but yet was mm-hmm. just so confident and free and doing the dang thing to in December, I feel completely paralyzed in my artistry and my ministry and my gifting. Like that all happened within the span of a year. Mm-hmm. And it took, um, a lot of, honestly, I think, I think the worship community saved me in a sense of IHOP gave me a space to constantly speak God's truth and his word and bask in his presence when I didn't have anything else. And I didn't know why I was still getting up every day and doing Mm -hmm. the thing. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of a wild 2014. I was, you know, still, so like did IHOP for four years, stayed Mm -hmm. for a year, led worship. So like that's probably 2017 at this point that I eventually broke my relationship with those producers in that space that I was in, um, started a very slow journey of inner healing. The Lord brought the right people in my life at the right time to be like, Hey, you actually went through some really hard traumatic stuff and you need help. And so, um, then I moved back to Atlanta from Kansas city and just, worked a retail job and spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with my family and cried a lot of tears and tried to really find myself as a writer and artist again. And then February of 2019, I woke up one day and Holy Spirit said to me, Lauren, how do you feel about Chicago in the summer? Mm. And I sprung out of my bed and said, I did not make that up. I have never thought about Chicago. Mm-hmm. I had like two distant cousins living in Chicago that I barely spent time with. And, um, the, the next six months were the Lord in the wackiest ways confirming Chicago to me. I played a gig for young life in New York on my way back to Atlanta from New York met, uh, um, the, what do you call it? The person when you walk into the airport at the kiosk, who just like gives you your boarding pass, the gate, saw agent. Her, yeah, the gate agent. Yeah, there we go. Right. The gate agent. Thank you. Looked at me and she took my ID and put my info in. She goes, Lauren Scott. And she looks at my paperwork and she goes, you're going to Chicago, correct? And I said, no, I'm going to Atlanta. And she looks down at the computer, looks at me and she goes, are you sure? <laughs> and I looked up at the ceiling and I was like, Lord, you were really playing games with me here. Mm-hmm. And so then a few weeks later, I work a retail job still at that point. And um, 
this woman comes in and tells me she's sending a package to her daughter in Chicago. The Lord says, Lauren, pay attention to this, what this woman tells you. And so I start kind of asking questions creepily. I'm ringing up mm-hmm. her, her clothes and I'm like, oh, so, you know, what's your daughter doing in Chicago? She tells me her daughter works for a church. I asked what the name of the church was. I walk away and I write down the girl's name in her church, find her on wow. Facebook, message her. She never answers. It was probably really creepy. <laughs> um, and nothing comes about that yet. And then fast forward, I have a bad day. I get lost in the suburbs in Georgia and I ask the Lord, I'm like, okay, where, um, you know, what is up with the Chicago thing? Do you want me to go or not step out of my car? look up at the top of the gas station and there's a picture of the Chicago skyline on the gas station in Georgia Mm -hmm. for some random off brand, like to go restaurant called something to go Chicago right after I asked the Lord, do I go to Chicago or do I not? Yeah. And so I pack my bags, pull a total Abram move and get in my car. I tell my family I'm going to Chicago and, um, get there and then the next day go to Madewell where I worked at the time. And it's like my second day in Chicago, first day working there. This girl walks into Madewell up to me at the kiosk or the whatever, the register. Mm -hmm. And um, she says, hey, I'm gonna buy a few of these things, probably not everything. And I say, okay, great. Um, What's your email? Gives me her email, her name pops up and it's Bethany Searles. And that's the same name that I wrote on the post-it note four months prior in Atlanta. Cause I met her mom at a Midwell in Atlanta. Jeez. And so I freeze, I'm shaking and I'm like, sorry, I also realize I'm talking very fast right now. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> this, I was a debater in high school. So it just is like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm you're a fine. freaking motor mouth. But um, I look at her and my jaw drops and I'm like, Bethany, and I tell her the whole story. Yeah. I'm like, I met your mom four months ago in Atlanta working at a Madewell. And I felt like the Lord told me to write your name down on a post-it note. So I messaged you and you never responded. And now I'm in Chicago and you're in front of me. And she's like yelling in the store, like, this is the Lord. <laughs> and people are looking like, what is going on? Yeah. So say all that to say, um, I moved to Chicago. I've been here for almost two years, which is wild. Mm-hmm. And it's just been this amazing story of the Lord surrounding me with just amazing people and um, getting back into singing and playing. And And when I moved here, I hadn't played a gig probably in a year. And within mm-hmm. that first month, I think I played six. I just yeah. picked up That's my guitar, awesome. went to open mics over the city and was like, I got to put one foot in front of the other, like God's for mm-hmm. me. And I've been through some really hard stuff, but I've got to try. Yeah. So wow. that's amazing. So the amazing thing to me too, is like going all the way back to that young life camp. It, it sort of starts with you saying, I have a song now. Like I like playing guitar. I like singing, but the Lord gave me a song. And then you go through this stuff. I think you cut better things. Is that that album mm-hmm. in 2014? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then have this traumatic experience and then was it kind of like you know when you moved to Chicago was it sort of like a feeling of like I have my song again like there's a you know like nobody's trying to put words in my mouth but the Lord like so is it is it a freeing feeling when you get to Chicago start playing gigs and it's almost like um man like is there a liberation there that has let you now kind of do what you're doing now dude you just totally gave language for it so when I moved here, um, what I didn't realize, what I couldn't yet identify was that I didn't believe that God was for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I felt so paralyzed in the decisions I'd made. And 
even choosing to make that record in college, it was like, I was still blaming myself for that mistake, which my therapist has often been like, you know, are we sure that was the wrong decision? Um, Mm. But I felt like, man, I can't move because if I make a move and I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. And I'm going to throw myself into another trajectory of five years of pain and heartache and whatever, just something else to come back from. So when I moved here, like the first day that I, I woke up that morning, the Lord said, Lauren, I'm for you. So you can, you can make mistakes. You can try things out. You can make a record that you later hate. You can be in a relationship that doesn't work, whatever, like, just trust me, be led by my spirit. I'm for you. And so it was totally that it was a second wind. It was an opportunity to just put one foot in front of the other and walk by faith and not be so afraid that I couldn't do anything. Cause it was just going to fall apart again. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because the, the, the record I'm going to put out later this spring is called birthplace. And it, it's, I mean, for years, ever since 2014, I've been trying to put words to this whole journey of, mm-hmm. um, of quote unquote failure of, getting up of trying again of trusting Jesus. And the song really is like, it starts out and says, I remember laying my guitar down in the case felt like they lowered me in my grave. And this whole thing really felt like that. Like there were so many moments where it was like, I don't know if I'm picking this thing up ever again, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Chicago, I love that you said that because Chicago has been that it's been like, man, Lord, like he's given me a song, but also I think just realizing again that he, he always will be my song, you know? Right. And so, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Well, and you know, you're, you're like a really good example to me of, of something that's going on in my opinion, like across, we'll, we'll say the worship industry, those two words sort of maybe shouldn't go together yeah. as well as yeah. they do. But I mean, here we are, but is that, you know, you hit on early that like, you're like, I don't want to be CCM. Like, I don't want to be contemporary Christian music. I don't want to be on K-Love which there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing but, wrong with right. nothing wrong with that. But that's not what you wanted. But then you're also like, but I'm not Taylor Swift. Like, I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to just sing about my life. You know, I want yeah. something yeah. more. And I, man, I've seen that so much. Like you embody it very well, you know, following you on social media um, at Lauren Scott music. And, <laughs> you know, like even when you like just pick up your guitar and play and stuff like that, it, I'm always impressed. Cause I'm like, you know, she doesn't always sing about, what we think a worship song should sound like. Um, and I see a lot of people doing that now. Do you feel like there's sort of this move with whether it might be Maverick tribe tribal or, or, or even just like, you know, you and your friends hanging out. Cause I think you might have the most talented group of friends in the world. But um, so like, is there, is this, there this push to say, let, let's not continue to divide my life into secular and sacred. Like, let's just be who God's designed us to be and sing as that Lauren Scott and not try and compartmentalize. Yes. That's the journey for me, honestly, because so what I've learned and the reason why I really honor and respect that people have boundaries with in culture, like movies, they can't watch music. Mm -hmm. They can't listen to totally. I have some of those things too, but what I've really learned is that Jesus is in everything. If you look for him mm-hmm. in everything, you know, and cause he created every human behind the things mm-hmm. behind the art behind all of it. So for me, you know, I grew up and obsessed over John Mayer records and obsessed mm-hmm. over like continuum yeah. is my top five. I literally told Joel the other day, I was like, if you 
get to write with John Mayer before me, expect <laughs> to not hear from me for uh -huh. a solid 30 days. Like I'm going right. to need 30 days to just accept mm -hmm. that you're in that room and I'm not, and then I'll talk right. to you and then I'll celebrate, mm -hmm. you know, it'll be great, but I'm going to mm -hmm. need a solid month. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of music that shaped me. That's made me who I am. Um, there are a lot of artists, the way that they craft a story is like, cause I'm a words girl. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just so about the words and about the way a story gets strung together. And so, yeah, you know, I've always felt this discontentment, like even, and I love worship, but there's mm -hmm. something in me that's like, there's somewhere else I still want to go sometimes, but I realize it's not, maybe it doesn't maybe benefit a room going before the throne of the Lord together. Mm -hmm. So then yeah. it takes me into the other world of like, there's stuff I can do on my guitar. But then sometimes when I'm writing a pop record or I'm writing a country record, I'm like, man, but I, I love that moment where a whole room is just like looking at him, you know, mm -hmm. and just yeah. gazing upon. And so it's always had me yeah, feeling this, this tension and I'm learning. And I, I feel like it's even honestly Jesus that we're having this conversation. Cause I always need to be reminded, mm -hmm. especially as a three on the Enneagram. Like I can, mm -hmm. I can uh, fit into a lot of spaces and I know exactly how to show up and camouflage and be who I need to be for where I am, mm -hmm. which sometimes is a gift. And sometimes I bury parts of myself that maybe still belong in that space, but I've decided to hit the mark, to be the thing, to project this image. I've got to be great at that. The thing that that space demands. Mm -hmm. So sometimes in worship spaces, um, there's a freedom of expression that maybe I don't feel in a sense of what I can sing or say on the mic because it's, it's just too, yeah. it's, it's a little narrow. It's, it's mm -hmm. a little much of an outlier, you know? And, and so what I'm trying to do is just let what flows out of me be and yeah. accept it and embrace it and let the Lord handle the rest. Like my yeah. friend, Lucas, he's actually at community music. Um, he and his wife have, they're Otazio. amazing. Yes. They're yeah. the best. You should have them on. Um, but he, I love what he says about a lot of stuff. He'll just say like, it's God's problem, not mine mm -hmm. in the best yeah. way of like, Lord, I'm going to cast that care. I'm going to give that thing to you. And that's kind of where I'm trying to land. And what my artistry is just like, Lord, I'm not going to worry about where this fits or what box it needs to go in or what mm -hmm. category, like what genre, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, whatever, what platform, like, I'm mm -hmm. just going to make the music that I, that I feel and you do the rest. It's yeah. your problem now, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I completely agree. And like, I, like I said, I think a lot of church culture, especially of course, younger people um, are starting to think that way. I saw a video one time of um, Bono from U2 talking about Christian music. And he said his problem with it was like, he was kind of like, it seems dishonest really, because he said, sometimes he goes, he goes, why don't you write a song about your bad marriage? You know, and it's like, why don't you write a song about your bad days? Like if you, and I mean, like you said, I love Christian radio. I love Christian pop and it serves a purpose. But what I'm beginning to see a little bit more from a new generation of what we would just, we don't have a classification for people like you. Sometimes I had a hard time writing your intro. Cause I was like, well, she's a worship leader, but she also does this. And she, right. You know, she's not CCM, but she's not just writing worship music. And and yeah, it's like, it's worship for real life. It's, it's, um, yeah. it's kind of gritty a little bit, you know? And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, and I think that that's, I think hopefully we're going to continue to see, you know, more and more of that, that honesty, uh, in the, the lyrics that, you know, people like you are, are writing. Um, and so it's pretty cool to see. Um, and, and yes, like I said, in, in doing the show with Joe and then like 
familiarizing myself with, with his world. And then, you know, you as well, I've noticed, I'm like, good Lord, these guys have the most talented friends. Like, you know, you and I were talking about Carrington Gaines, uh, Lucas Cortazio and his wife. Uh, I, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, but Jordan Marcotte, Marcotte, Marcotte. Yeah. Mar- Marcotte, Jordan and Sasha, which they went viral because of a funny video. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm like, what is going on in Atlanta? Which obviously, you know, you're kind of like in and out of Atlanta, but it's amazing to see. Um, crazy. Yeah. So you, yeah, you guys are killing it, but here, here's what I want to do now. And we're, I'm going to take you from that talking about those lyrics and um, I'm going to do something with you that I like to do when I have musicians on the show, uh, okay. did it with Joe and then so, some other folks. And I'm going to read to you a few lyrics that you might not have necessarily written. Cause you've, you've co-wrote, co-wrote a lot of songs. So you yeah. might've been in the room when they were written, you might've sang them. Um, and what I want to do is I'm going to read them to you. And as best as you can, either you just kind of tell me uh, maybe why you wrote those or like what they make you feel, what they make you think when you hear them, when you think about the times that you've, you've sang them. Um, and, uh, we'll just kind of see what you think. And, and like I said, in the intro, I, I think your best music is still to come. Um, so this is more of, let's look at your past before we talk about your future with things like Mav and, and all these other things. But, um, this is probably my favorite one because I, I did not know who this person was, but it, when I came across him and the stuff that you've done, I was like, man, this guy's good. But you wrote, you co-wrote a song called a place for me with, uh, Temi Tape, um, yes. And uh, this is a lyric from the song, right? I said, you might not have written it, but uh, in your house, you make a room. There's a place for me. There is love. There is light, a place for me. You never run out of room. (laughs) There's a place for me. So talk to me about the, even just the theme of that song and what that means to you, either when you guys were writing it, if you've played it alone in your house on the guitar since then um, and where that a place for me came from. I'm going to cry. Um, that's the most special record I've ever been a part of in my life. It's very good. I mean, we're talking about you right now, but to listeners, like <sighs> I will link to it in the show notes that I was um, very happy. I came across that. It's, it's called Meiji M E J I. Okay. Yeah. It's very good. But yeah, back, back to you. Oh, he's one of my favorite friends and champions and people to write with ever. So you guys should look up his record. Mm-hmm. Um, man. So we wrote that song at my, that was really like my second worship co-write ever. Mm. And um, I mean, from the moment we walked in the room, the Lord, I can't even explain it. We were just sitting in a bedroom in this house in Atlanta. And I mean, I, I wrote a song a while back called Jesus is the way. And the chorus is like, we all just want to be heard because we've all got something to say here. You can rest your case. Jesus is the way. Mm-hmm. And we started this conversation about inclusiveness in the church and um, in the LGBTQ community and across every ethnicity, every race, every people group, every everything. Like, what if everybody knew they had a seat at the table? And from that conversation, we j- immediately I'm talking like there are songs where I, I really feel like as a human being, you feel like you're crafting it, like you're working Mm -hmm. for the words. I'm telling you, Jeremy, like Timmy Tape and I, and, and, and Danny and um, Sam and Cheyenne, who we all wrote the song together. Like, I don't, I just looked up, I'm shaking, Mm -hmm. talking about it. And immediately in your house, you made a room. I mean, there was no, like, 
I I leaped on a bed for mm-hmm. two hours, ran around screaming. Even right now, like I'm, I just feel every time we talk about that song, we mm-hmm. sing that song. I don't know what God's gonna do with it, and maybe it was just for us. I don't even stinking know, but. Mm. It was so special. And then immediately we, we wrote the chorus and then immediately went into that. You never run out of room. There's a place yeah. for me. There's a place. And it's opened up something in my heart of like, Lord, the revelation that came out, I think for all of us, but I know the Lord said to me was like, Lauren, you think that this is about pulling up chairs to the table. Like you think that, that the table is getting longer or like you're lengthening it. The seats have already been there. Mm-hmm. The people that you don't think get a seat already have one. And mm-hmm. and I'm opening your eyes to see that. And so, man, that was, I'm grateful that you brought that up because that was for all of us. Like I walked out of the room, we all just cried, we hugged, we celebrated. And it was like, we just worshiped that God even gave us that. And it was like, Lord, if, if nobody ever heard this ever, yeah. we're just so grateful that we got to have this moment with you and that we got to, um, really receive it like it didn't even feel like we wrote it i don't i feel like all of us are like we can't even take credit for this we just i don't know we just were there yeah so man yeah that's a special song well it's crazy that you said it what you said because i mean and i could show you my notes because literally i've noticed in your writing in your social media things like that, that this idea of inclusivity um and and you even said it when you're telling your testimonies like when you met Christ, you saw him with his arms open, you know, and it's like, to me, it seems like it, you know, I I saw you write this whole long caption on Instagram or somewhere like maybe Facebook. I don't know, but you know, where you were saying like, like Christ invited people and then like openly, like didn't make them leave their stuff at the door. And then and then once they were part of the family, like then invited them to repentance, Yes. Um, which, you know, like for the you know people listening to, and they heard Lauren say inclusivity or me, you know, it's not that we're saying, you know, you, 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 that all lifestyles or whatever. It's just like, but Jesus invited people to the family yeah. first, you know, yes. and then said, Hey, turn from your sin. It, to Come me, it seems you like you are, but you can't yeah. stay that way. Right. Exactly. And so it seems to me like that at least for the last few years, the stuff you've been doing and putting out, even just like your Instagram captions, like, would you say that's been something that the Lord's been pressing upon you of just like this idea of like, he's for everyone. Yes, 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 yes. And it's funny because I look at that journey and I don't really know that there's one moment or one, um, I don't know, event that I can trace that back yeah. to. But it's funny because I'm a person who, especially the past couple of years in my life, I feel like I've seen the Lord's favor in so many ways. I've been in some rooms where I look around and say, how the heck did I end up in here? I have some relationships and friendships where I'm like, how am I yoked to this person? I'm so Mm. grateful. But also ironically, and people never would pin me as this person, but I often feel like the person who isn't in the room, who's not included, who is overlooked, who has been rejected like that. That's been a lot of my life as well. And so maybe it's partially that I don't know, but I, I, I think part of it might too be that people in my life who don't know Jesus, I see 
how they perceive him based on what the church has said and who we've let in and who we've let out. Mm -hmm. And that has wrecked me over the years because I'm like, if you just knew what he was like, Mm -hmm. he's not slamming the door in your face. He's not drawing the yellow tape. He's not saying, Hey, you, but not you. Like Mm -hmm. there is a place for you. And I know because there was one for me, like that's what got me at 16 weeping on a carpeted floor in Weaverville, North Carolina was like, but you know, everything I've ever done. Like, you know, me behind closed doors, you know, the Lauren beyond the girl that's projected. That's always in the front of the room. That's always doing the thing. Like, you know, me, and yet Mm -hmm. you still, while I was a sinner, you gave your life for me and desired relationship with me and entered into covenant with me. Like only a God who, like only somebody who lets everybody in does that because I Mm. knew I shouldn't be let in. Mm. Wow. You know? And so, yeah, I, and I just keep seeing the people who swear that God doesn't let them in. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, how can I be a part of showing you? That's not what he's like. That's not who he is, you Mm. know? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's been a really, um, because, and what I love about even the story of the Samaritan woman and, and that was like, my whole record was pretty much based on that. That was like my story in high school, not even just because I think what I've always loved about the story was again, Jesus knowing everything and saying, but I offer you living water. Mm-hmm. It's not for me. It was like, it's not going to be from your success. It's not going to be from getting into all the colleges. It's not going to be from being yeah. the thing. Like it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me. Come draw your water here instead, Lauren. And um, I think that has been, it's just like become my life's obsession to be like, Mm. Lord, how can I just pave the way for other people through my life, through what I say, through who I am, through what I sing to know that like living Mm. waters found here, you know? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. That's awesome. So, okay. Then the next one, I'll take you back even to a little bit more of your roots because there's this video that people can go watch now. And if you're not familiar with IHOP, it's going to seem really weird and seem really confusing. But at the International House of Prayer, there's this room where uh, they've been praying and worshiping since 1999. And like you 24 said, 24, seven, 24, seven. Yeah. So it is amazing. And it's a very special place to me and, and to my closest friends. Um, and you used to leave there and, I did. and there's a video of you being a part of what might be, we might call a spontaneous chorus, which at mm-hmm. IHOP, if you're going to sing 24 seven for two hour shifts at a time, not everything <laughs> can be scripted and you and your team, lead out into this chorus and there's another girl leading, but then you repeat this chorus um, and you continually sing, I won't be offended. I will trust you. And I'm sure you might not even remember that exact moment, but uh, so less about those particular lyrics, but I, I said to Joe, when I had him on the show that I have a very good friend named Caleb Edwards, who's there. And he basically rebuked me one time because I went to IHOP my first time and I was like, Caleb, you have some of the most talented musicians here. Um, there were people out there doing spoken word. There were people out there doing just like ridiculous stuff musically. And I was like, you guys are wasting it here. And he kind of said, man, we're fine as long as we're wasting it at the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus. And, you know, so you have this spontaneous chorus on YouTube, all that to say, talk to me about these moments where you, you might sing something, whether it be in the room at IHOP, whether it be in your living room, it might be, you know, 
uh, like you said, that song, A Place for Me, you're like, I don't even know if anybody's ever going to hear this. Talk to me about the heart that causes you to say, Lord, I'm okay with that. Not everything needs to get cut. Um, and so this spontaneous chorus that just happens to be on YouTube, there's thousands more that aren't on YouTube. Um, <laughs> so talk to me about what it feels like when you have those moments where you're like, man, if we had recorded that, that probably would have gone viral. But you know what? That one's just for Jesus. Yeah. To be honest, I think for me, that shift really, really became true in my heart, real in my heart when I realized who it's all for. Mm -hmm. So I say that and everyone's going to be like, yeah, obviously Lauren, but really, you know, when I am invited into sessions to write for, which isn't as much anymore, like I don't write pop artists don't reach out to me as much anymore. Um, or, you know, like artists outside of the worship space don't as much, but for a while that was really all I was doing. Mm -hmm. And when that's the end, it's like, well, if the song's not getting cut, I mean, what are we doing? Right. (laughs) You know, we're here for a reason. We're here to write for this record, for this person, for this thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the difference is like, that's not why I come before the Lord. That's not why I sing. I sing to him because he actually commands that I sing to him Mm -hmm. and he Mm -hmm. commands it because he loves it and he loves it. I don't know why he loves it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But he loves it. Yeah. He loves when I sing to him. He loves when you sing to him. He loves when we sing to him. So even in worship spaces, when it's like, we're writing for this record, for this person, for this thing, it's still, there's an openness that's happened in my heart over the years where it's like, I do have that open handedness because it's all for him. I'm looking at him. I'm singing to him. It's my gift to him. Um, my friend, Grace Marr, who's a part of math. She's amazing. We were at a writing camp recently and she at one point just wept in a prayer time before this worship camp and just kept saying, Lord, like, I hope that this pleases you. I pray that this pleases you. And even again, a couple months ago, it shifted of something shifted in me of like, right. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Like, I want him to love it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we don't leave the room with a smash with a, Mm -hmm. a song that we know is going to get cut or whatever, but like, it's for the lamb. It's for Jesus. It's for my friend. It's for my father. It's for my love. Like, that's the point. Yeah. You know? So even and it's funny because if you scroll through my phone right now, I have probably a couple of thousand voice memos. Mm-hmm. So at any point in the day, like I could be at a party with friends. A lot of my friends will be like, no, she's literally done this and I'll sneak away and I'll shut the door to the bathroom. And I, cause I hear a melody and I have to sing it into my phone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one time I was at somebody's bachelorette party and it was really loud and I hated it. And, um, I went to the bathroom wherever we were and I just sang like a worship song into my phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the girls in the stalls next to me were like, what is she doing? But <laughs> I say that to say, sometimes I can feel this anxiety because I have all these ideas and a lot of mm-hmm. them are great. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them will never see the light of day. Yeah. And sometimes I just realize, you know what, Lord, maybe that was just for me in my heart in that moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was just, maybe you just wanted to hear me sing something back to you. I don't know, mm-hmm. but my artist, my creative, my songwriter is yielded to you. Like mm, it's wow. all for yeah. you. And so it just, it makes it cause I'm, I've written some songs in some spaces the past couple of years and some really disappointing things have happened. You know, like somebody will put a hold on it. They'll say they're taking it. They'll say they're cutting it. They don't. And it just gives me, I've, I, I, that used to give me low expectations. Cause when I didn't believe that God was for me, um, and, and those things happen, you're like, yeah, you just, you just feel like whatever I'm done. Mm-hmm. And now I go in with no expectations. I've yeah. gone from low to no. So now mm-hmm. I'm just so open-handed. I'm like, Lord, do whatever you want with the stuff. Right. I'm grateful. I got to be in the room. Yeah. Something 
recently that I cut um, didn't get placed on a record that I hoped it would. And I remember talking to my mom about it and she was like, but Lauren, didn't you have a great time when you did that? I remember right. you saying you had a great time. And I was like, I did. And for the first time in a really long time, that's actually enough. Like mm. Jesus was among us and we had an amazing time and wow. that's enough, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's, I, that has not always been true of me. So I'm grateful right. for, for that fruit to be. Mm. It, it, I mean, it's encouraging to hear because I know, um, you know, you and I are similar age and like, I think when people are in their like late twenties, early thirties, there's this feeling of kind of like, okay, Lord, everybody who's older than me, they've already gotten theirs. Everybody who's younger than me, it's not their time yet. This is my time. And it's like, when it doesn't happen the way you think it is, you can slip into this disappointment of kind of like, wait, but Lord, like so-and-so cut that song and it was a hit. Right. And, you know, and so it's like, but like you said, and, and you actually wrote a song on that first album, 2014, better things where like, you have this line where it's like, you are the better things, Jesus, like <laughs> you are the better things. And I think that's so wise, especially now, like that was seven years ago. And like, even saying that over your life or, or a listener's life, who's dealt with disappointments, it's like, no, Jesus is the better thing. Like if the song doesn't go viral, if the, the show or the, whatever it is, like, doesn't hit the way you think it is like, that's okay. Like what happened to you in the process? Like what yeah. glory did, did God get? Um, and the amazing thing now is, you know, like you are part of some pretty cool rooms, like you said, and, and you're continually amazed at it. Like I've, I've enjoyed watching um, how Maverick has become like this, like crazy, like meteoric type thing where it's like, that's everybody's favorite thing right now. And every video is huge and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you're involved in that. So talk to me about what it is now. I mean, and Maverick's not the only thing you're doing. Um, like you're, you're leading with some pretty cool stuff. Like in all honesty, if somebody's listening and they want to just see something new, go check out Carrington Gaines and and I ca I keep messing it up but it's Four City Worship which is in Rockford Illinois um, yes. and they they you've been a part of uh, some of their videos and like they put out insanely high quality amazing stuff that I I've enjoyed watching so you, you know Maverick's not the only thing you do but what is it like being in one of these camps one of these rooms where you guys might cut and record like a, a million songs um, and you know and then you see the like it's a weird thing you have this organic thing and you when you watch a maverick video a tribal video and you see it's like oh man it's all these people just sitting around singing so it probably feels really organic in the moment but then it's a video that gets 20 million views and can bring someone like you and joel and brandon lake and chandler moore to stardom right and that's not the way it used to be it used to be sitting in a studio with four producers them telling you what God wants you to say. And so what's it like now being in these organic settings where people have the same heart and mind, but yet at the same time, still like, Hey, but this might actually bring success to our lives. Yeah. Um, there's so many things. I mean, and you know, and I'm a person who like, you know, there aren't a lot of eyes on me. Mm -hmm. um people don't know who I am I'm I you know so for me it's it's probably so different than even from like a Joel mm -hmm. or even yeah and so I think I think what it comes down to for everybody at the end of the day is preserve 
preserve presence, preserve community, preserve um, authenticity above everything else, because there's a pressure. So like, you know, from a creative standpoint, as a songwriter, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I, the Lord still is delivering me from that in a sense of I can be in spaces with my friends and it's like, okay, Lauren and these co-writers went to this room Mm -hmm. and these friends and their co-writers went to this room Mm -hmm. and I still will leave the room sometimes. It's like, imagine like an elementary school, right? With classrooms, like all down a hallway. Mm -hmm. I'm in one room. These other friends I have who are amazingly gifted, probably more gifted than me are in the room next door. And we write songs and then we come out and we look at each other in the hallway. (laughs) My first inclination is when they have that look of like, we just wrote one. Mm -hmm. Like we just, we just did something. I feel this pit in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And this is still a wrestle. Every writing camp, every space I'm in, Mm -hmm. I still feel this. And, um, And because I feel like, man, like, what do I not have enough oil? Do I not have enough gifting? Like, what am I not doing? You know, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to compare in that moment. And what realigns me is like, first of all, that's a gift for me too. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not losing because my friends wrote a better song, wrote a more anointed song, wrote something God's going to breathe on. And, but also it's, it's like, we really are the thing that keeps grounding me because in worship specifically, I think every worship leader looks at something like a map and feels this where it's like, it feels like the epicenter of God's glory right now. It just feels like a different, which is not true, but it feels, it's such a beautiful, amazing overflow is happening there. And I think we all go to our churches and are like, okay, but this isn't that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And and what the Lord said to me a few years ago was Lauren, like, take joy in being a voice in the choir. We're all a choir. Like we are the choir of like, of just his children, of his worshipers, of, you know, like of his presence. Like, like we, we all carry that. We all want to embody that. We all want to live that out and we all want to host that. So just be okay with being a voice in the choir. Like Mm -hmm. be a, a, be a person in the stadium. Like we're, nobody's on the sidelines. We're all in it together. He's not giving more to this house and less to this house. We're all in it together. We all get to share in it. There's enough of his glory to go around. Mm -hmm. And that is starting to shape, you know, me not walking in the room and feeling like, all right, Lauren, you're at this camp. You got to have it. You got to write the biggest smash of the camp. You got to have the biggest song. You got to do the biggest thing because what's on the other side of this writing room, potential, for your career to blow up, whatever right. the heck that means, yeah. potential for your anointing, whatever, like mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. And yeah. so the re- the real reality, and Stephanie Gretzinger says this, and I I think Joe said it when he was on with you, is that worship was meant to be a priesthood, not an industry. Yeah. And it's just yeah. true. It's so true, but it, but also it is still an industry to yeah. what you're saying. It's yeah. still an industry. It is. There's yeah. no way around it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's like dots that we, eyes that we yeah. have to dot and T's mm-hmm. we have to cross. It just is what it is, mm-hmm. but your heart has to, to understand that reality, but live in a different one, be in mm-hmm. the industry, but not of it. There's yeah. stuff that we all have to do. I have to have my yeah. admin, right? I have to do my pub. I have mm-hmm. to be with my PRO, like whatever, all the stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But you've got to be anchored in at the end of the day. And, and, and Joe says this too. And, and I have a few friends who say this, and I think it's so true. Like if you catch me unable to weep in his presence, if you catch me not in the word, if you catch me not open to accountability, like 
have people around you who are going to catch you and say, Hey, Mm-hmm. The real, the one thing that matters, like David said, the one thing you're not doing the one thing, if I'm ever not doing the one thing, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think having the right people in your life, having the right anchors, having the right spiritual disciplines, all that stuff keeps you as a creative, especially as a songwriter where you, cause you know, what's on the other side of the door, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the potential, you know, the possibility, yes. right. you know, the opportunity. Um, Brooke Ligert would posted something on Instagram today and basically did like an amp like a greater than sign on opportunity mm-hmm. over gift. And it's so true or on gift over opportunity. I might be messing that up, but essentially what the post said, don't let me mess it up. But basically what she said was, you know, you want to care more about the, what really matters than just opportunity, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really at a point, I read the Beatitudes this morning. I was like, Jesus, thank God that you said, blessed are the hungry. Cause I'm so freaking hungry right now for your presence. Like I don't, just want to be a part of another movement, another cool, hot thing. I don't just want to go write great songs. Like I am overwhelmed with how desperate I am for him to rest on me and my house in my community and my people and on his church period point blank. Like that's what I want. So whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, Lord, I'm in for it. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, and this is why, I am so glad to have had you on the show and we've mentioned Joe a few times um, who, I mean, I, I was hugely impressed with him too. And, you know, we've mentioned a lot of your friends. I, I just really hope, and, and this is not just my prayer, but honestly my expectation, because I just kind of go, there is a movement going on. I've seen something new in the worship industry. Um, like you said, it is an industry, but my prayer and my hope and expectation is that people like you, people like Joe, um, and so many other people that you and I both know that don't it's like, yes, there is an industry, there is money to be made, but Lord, I pray that it goes to the people who aren't chasing after it. And it's like, because those are the people. And like, I've said this about so many of my friends, like I have friends that I'm like, if somebody's going to get rich, I hope it's that guy because <laughs> We'll probably never know. And missionaries in China will be funded and songs will be written because he gives to, you know, and so it's like, yeah. So my, my hope for you and my expectation for you, because if, if somebody's listening, like I, I know you might not have necessarily known who Lauren was before this show, but I truly believe people will know who you are in time to come, not just because of this show by any means, but because I do think you're going to see some earthly success because of how hard you've been working. Um, but you, ha- you know, you're surrounded by a great group of songwriters and musicians and there's something going on there in Atlanta and Chicago. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'm so glad that you've given me some of your time and listeners. I think if somebody's listening and especially if they're like a young woman who sometimes I know it can be very discouraging to find your place in the evangelical church as a young woman, especially one who wants to lead in some form or fashion. I think you're a phenomenal example of how somebody can do that. Um, And so Lauren, thank you so much for being uh, on the show with me today. And and I'm just excited to see how the Lord uses this conversation to bless people and just encourage people. Because like you said, you've been through it and here you are with a song still to sing and uh, many more to come, I think. Hey, seriously, thank you so much for having me. This has been so good. And yeah. anybody who resonates with anything, you can DM me, you can email yeah. me. You can- yeah. Yeah. Check Lauren out. Make sure to go to the show notes. I'll have all the stuff there. Um, 
I follow, I follow her on Instagram at Lauren Scott music. It's phenomenal. And so check her out and be on the lookout for stuff coming out in the spring, uh, both the single and then hopefully some stuff out with groups like Mav and some others that, uh, that, that you're going to see and hear more of her in the future. But next time, Lauren, uh, next time we have a conversation, um, I think that we'll, we'll have even more work to reference, uh, coming out from, from Lauren Scott music. So until then, thank you so much for being a part of it. Hey, prophesy. Thanks for having me.